praise the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to be a child of God today? To be able to gather together in the presence of the Lord. And we realize during this time of the year, a lot of folks get all religious and, you know, go talking about the birth of the king and all that. But I'm glad for the real people of God. It's not just something we talk about once a year. It is the reason we live. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm so grateful for that today, aren't you? Let's uh, turn the scripture, if you would, today to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. While you're turning there, I'd like to make this announcement. Dan and Lynette Robbins and Larry and Sherry Jenkins would like to announce the engagement of Caitlin Robbins to Josh Jenkins. We're happy for him and we're praying that he'll move up this way so he don't take another one of our daughters of God down there in the Egypt land in South Carolina. I told him years ago, God delivered his people out of them swamps. What in the world would anybody want to go back for? It's beyond me. Amen. Was that you, Brother Tom, that said amen? He's praying for deliverance of his family too from down there. So. Amen. Praise the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So fear exaggerates the causes of fear without. Inner fear exaggerates the causes of fear that are without. So the spirit of power is simply the spirit of God in a person's soul that helps them, it imparts a power to help them to overcome fear. Aren't you glad for that? So this power is actually what casts fear out. We can't do it on our own. 1 John chapter 4 verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. I want you to notice that when you get this love, it's not complete, but it has to be made complete. Herein is our love made perfect. Look at the meaning of the word with me. To leo, to finish, fulfill, make perfect, complete, to carry through completely, to accomplish bring to an end, add what is yet wanting in order to render a thing full. So a lot of times when we use the word perfect, we think of perfection and sinlessness and without a fault. But that's not the way John is using this about perfect love. It's love that reaches its height, its finish, its end. I trust each of us want that today with all of our hearts. How many would like to be remembered today as we pray before the Lord? Got a couple of prayer calls here today that would like to pray over as well. No doubt many needs. I know we've got several that are sick in the church today and unable to be here, so we just pray that God will be with us. Let's just bow our heads together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we love you so much today. We thank you for your grace and mercy to us, Lord. 
We're just asking that you would help us in this service. You see our needs, and they are many. Lord, we have several that are sick today and unable to be in service, and maybe some came, and they weren't feeling well, but they pressed beyond their feelings to come anyway. So we pray that you'd just be mindful of each one, Lord. Those that are streaming the service from around the world, whatever their needs might be, would you be mindful of them as well? Father, we've come that we might be benefited by our gathering together. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you come to the earth. If you had not, we'd all be lost. And we're grateful that you didn't just come and heal the sick. You did that before you even died. But if you would have done all of that and then ascended up into heaven and never given your blood, we still would be lost today. And we're thankful not only for healing, but for salvation. So may you be mindful of these needs, Lord God, these prayer requests that I have in my hand. You know the needs, dear God, and we're asking you for your mercy. Help us, Lord. I'm No doubt I'm the most needy person in the building today. I need your help to try to speak something that would help your children, encourage them, strengthen them, maybe lift them up, whatever more they need. Help me, Father, that I can get out of the way, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm sure most of you would agree with me today that this life offers us hardly anything that is perfect. There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect preachers. We hear people say, well, so-and-so and -and -and so-and-so has a perfect marriage. You ought to be with them when they're not so perfect, though. So there's very few things, when you think about it, that is actually perfect. Think we could place them on our hands? Perfect moms, perfect dads, perfect this, perfect that. Hardly anything that you and I could think of today that would actually be perfect. But yet, God has given us a way to where we can have perfect things, but they all must come from Him. Perfect faith, perfect love, many things that God's given us. But yet when we look at what the description or the definition, if I would ask you hundreds of people here today, how many of you would say, well, perfect love is this, this, and this. I'd ask this brother, maybe these young men here. I'd ask Brother Nathan, maybe some of you sisters, what is perfect love? Well, your definition might vary from one to the other. You say, well, perfect love is this, and perfect love is that. And someone else will say, no, it's not that. It's it's totally different. It's this and that and the other. But we've been looking at the rights that God has purchased and given for his bride, the elect of God. And absolutely, I believe that perfect love is one of our rights. It's not only a right, it's actually a requirement to ever be able to move into the sixth dimension if you go by the way of death. It's the only way you'll ever be able to enter into the essence of eternal life. Now, eternal life is something we know that is given to some at the white throne judgment, given to them the opportunity to be able to go into the kingdom of eternal life. But there are people on the earth today that already have eternal life. 
Now, many think they get it when they believe on the Lord, but we know a thorough study of the Scripture shows us that it's more than just accepting Him as your Savior. So if it is one of our rights and actually a requirement, I think that each of us should be so determined more than anything else in the world after everything that we get. So you have your goals, you have your motives, your objectives, as we call it in this day, your bucket list of what you want to do, where you want to go, things you want to see. No doubt each one of you do. There's things you want to do before you pass. There's things you'd like to accomplish, things you'd like to see for your family, things you'd like to see maybe for our church. And yet all of that might be well and good, but none of those things might be inclusive to allow you to be able to enter in to the paradise of God. But perfect faith will. So money is not a requirement, thank God. Good looks ain't a requirement, double thank God for that. I'm so glad that wealth, notoriety, popularity, it's not a requirement. But for one who went beyond the curtain of time and come back and told us what it was like, and they actually told him what he was already preaching, but he had not quite made the connection that the Holy Ghost was perfect love. So once he went there and came back, then they told him, this is what you preached was the Holy Ghost. This is perfect love. So the way John states it here, perfect love is not something that's separate from divine love or separate from divine nature. It's actually the same thing, only stated a little bit different. But this is different than the gifts. Now, we believe in the gifts here. We thank God for the spiritual gifts. But these are divine graces, not divine gifts. The divine graces are hope and charity and those things. But divine gifts are totally different. Now, I've seen gifts all of my life. I've seen folks prophesy, speak in tongues, interpret I don't know that I've actually ever seen a perfect one yet. And I believe the reason is because the foundation of the gifts is not divine love. But it's to desire to be a gifted person more so than upon the basis of perfect love. Now, is it important? Are gifts important? Absolutely, they are so important. The Lord would never give them if they were not important. But in my years and my tenure in Pentecost, and I would see people speak in tongues and prophesy and interpret, and you know, most of the time it was just a questionable something or it would be hit and miss, and they would hit and miss and hit and miss. And we know the prophet tells us in the church age book that it would come in the last days, that there would be those that would operate gifts with a margin of error in them, a margin of of error. So they would be able to call somebody out or prophesy over them or whatever, and they would hit this one, hit that one, hit that one, and then maybe miss every fourth one or every third one or every fifth one, and they would miss. So it's constantly hit, miss, hit, miss. Now, can a person like that have a real gift from God? Yes, they might really have a genuine gift from God. But if it's not built upon the foundation of perfect love, Perfect love is the only thing that produces perfect gifts. Now, perfect love is not something any of us can have on our own. 
There's not one human being that has ever lived on the earth after the fall other than the Lord Jesus who ever had perfect love. I love the way the prophet explains love. And he says it was like the great big ocean, that God's love was like the ocean. And then it trickles down from a lake to a smaller stream, and then a smaller one, and a smaller one. And it trickles down and trickles down, and the farther down it comes from the original ocean, the less pure it is in its nature. So those of you that love your husbands, your wives tonight, y'all too, thank God. But if you don't have divine love, then that's what causes divorce. That's what causes separation. It's because a man and woman, they get tired of each other and their human love, they fall out of love with each other the same way they fell in love, they can also fall out of love. But if they have divine love coupled with their human love, then their human love will help them to love their husband or wife even whenever maybe they're not really lovable because that's the way we were. We were not lovable when he saved us and filled us with the Holy Ghost. Then he actually made us lovable. Aren't you glad? Now this is part of our rights as the people of God. Let me read this to you. Uh, the prophet says that this when every man here tonight would realize the things that you got, divine health and everything else, God gave it to you at Calvary. Every born again man is circumcised by the Holy Ghost and you have a right for every redemptive blessing. Let the devil rob you of none of it. Now it ought to be our determination, whatever God has for me, I'm gonna get it before I leave this life. Amen. It makes no difference if it's spiritual, supernatural, if it's natural blessings, whatever he wants me to have, I want every one of them. Now listen how this couples together now in the restoration of the bride tree. He promised to restore the church in these when the evening light shine, we're living in it, and by restoring, we have a right. So by the restoration of the message of Malachi 4, then it brings to us a right. Notice he said we have a right. We have our attorney. We have our lawyer, our high priest, and we're going to force a claim. So we have a right, first of all, as the children of God, and then we also have the ability to force a claim. You've had them long enough you can't do it any longer. We're ordained in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, love, like every other grace, is something that will be revealed in degrees. Now, remember, when you receive the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is everything you'll ever need in seed form. In you is the potential of your rapture, of your body change, of every healing, of every revelation you'll ever need. But seeing that divine love is a grace, like hope, like faith, it does not come to you in the fullness of that whenever you receive it. So God will allow that grace to grow and grow and grow. So love is in you when you're born again by the Spirit of God. But is it perfect love? It is not. I wonder if we would be able to look tonight, or today rather, and God would projected on these screens here, the name of every person that's here this morning. Every person on one side would have perfect love. And those on the other side have love, but not perfect or mature love. I wonder how many of us it would be. 
I wonder how many of us that have been saved for maybe years, but yet our degree of love has never entered the proper temperance to where God would identify us as mature love. That it's reached its end. And then when it reaches its end, you'll be able to live at the end of that love. Now you may be allowed to live for six months, five years, 10 years, who knows how long it'll be. But when you've reached the end, then you move into that final temperance of love, you are ready for the sixth dimension. You are ready for death, if that be the will of God for your life. And then if not, then you are ready for the height of your service to God like you've never been before. Now, whenever John begins to write about this, and he's the only one that actually uses these terms together, and John sets it forth, I love the way that he writes it, whenever he says then that hereby is our love made perfect. So it's made perfect. So it's not received in the fullness form. It's received in seed form, as graces are. Grace is different than gifts. The gifts are wonderful, they are marvelous, and I believe, according to the word of God, that gifts are something that God placed in the church himself. And I believe that if we could ever walk into love first, then we would see a manifestation of real perfect gifts in a way that we've never seen it before. Because then it would be with no selfishness or no self-centeredness. You see, a lot of people actually have divine gifts, but they're still operating it in a measure or a temperance of love that has not yet reached maturity. Because you watch them when they use that gift and they'll turn it always right back around and it's, well, I prayed for so-and-so and this person got healed in my church or this person got healed in my prayer line and this person done this. And oh, they say they're giving testimony to the glory of God, but it's It's amazing because they hardly ever testify of what God's doing in other churches or what God's doing in other preachers' lives. It's always what God's doing in them and their church and their life. Well, y'all didn't say amen to that. Now, you see, perfect love has no problem with where God is doing miracles, even if it's outside of their own church. A preacher that has perfect love and operates a divine gift. He can rejoice just as much if God performs a miracle, raises the dead, heals the sick, and someone else's ministry as much as he can his own. Why? Because his gift is operated on the basis of perfect love that has reached a stage of maturity. Now, many men, well, I believe with all of my heart, they love the people of God and they love God and they want to operate gifts in order to help people but they do it on a basis of immature love, imperfect love, and then it will always come back to them. And you watch them, oh, I know I hate to to repeat it, but I saw it so much in Pentecost and I'm seeing the same thing again in the message and it's just coming right back around again, gifts here, gifts there, gifts somewhere else. And someone told me the other day that young ministers are feeling so under the pressure that they've got to see a vision or have a dream or call somebody out. I'm thinking, what in the world is matter with us? Why do we think we have to go back that way? And if we're not careful, we're going to appoint people to become nothing but a generation of sign seekers. 
That's all they're going to be. They're going to be a generation of sign seekers and they will not be able to take God at his word without a feeling or a shout or a jump or a vision. I believe in all of that. But I take God at his word without feeling anything. I believe God is a healer whether I have a dream or whether you have a dream or whether you see a vision about me or not. I believe God's word. Signs follow me. I don't follow them. But you watch people. People are relocating, they're moving. There's a big move on again in the message. And people are moving, we're a lot of moving to Jumping, shouting churches. Sign seeking churches. Well, that's well and good if you're led of the Holy Ghost to do that. But if you're just following a sign, I feel sorry for you. Because Jesus tells us in the last days, there will be people that'll have all kinds of signs. You see, I saw this in Pentecost to where they preached constantly signs, wonders, miracles. But I never heard Matthew 24, 24 preached the whole time I was there. So they did not warn their people of false anointed ones. I see the same thing reoccurring again in the message that we're preaching anointing, jumping, shouting, hollering, all of that. But has anybody got time to still preach Matthew 24, 24? Well, I do. I do, and I'm gonna warn you, everybody that jumps and shouts ain't got it. Everybody that even lays hands on the sick ain't got it. You need to broaden your spectrum a little bit and realize there's miracles among Pentecostal people. There's miracles and healings and signs among Baptists. Oh, I don't believe it, Brother Donnie. I sat right in the hospital with Erica, and a woman come in, a nurse come in, and sat down and talked with us, went to one of the Baptist churches here, and she was telling us of the different miracles they had seen in their church. You've come too late to tell me they don't have them. They do, but we'd tell them there she sat with bobbed haired, painted face, britches on, everything else. So if miracles is all we need, if that's the bride's revival, we might as well quit preaching holiness then. We might as well quit preaching the message. Why bear the reproach of being identified under Malachi 4 if healing's all you need? But we need more than healing. We need more than jumping. We need all the word. And yes, healing is a part of the word, but also is holiness and clean living and righteous living. Come on, somebody, preach with me today. Well, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You see, a man with a lower intensity of love will always bring himself into this. I wonder sometimes if we still, see at Lance and I was talking yesterday, I told him, he said, Lance, the reason that the Lord Jesus came, one of them was that he might be able to bring the crucifixion to this thing about human love, that we love and we love selfishly. Now I'll just preach to myself today because I'm sure everybody here is a perfect angel and really doesn't even need this. But boy, there's some sorry folks that stream our services. And I no doubt it, it might be for Brother David Mayer over in France. Or it might be for somebody over in Belgium. Brother Josh, maybe you over in Belgium. You might need to hear this message, brother. Tune in real good and listen now. So the temperance of love that'll be released into the bride before the rapture. Now, you know, the prophet tells us in Shreveport in 1965, when he rehearsed going beyond the curtain of time, he said, I believe the people that will go on the rapture will be in this state before they leave. Now, he was talking about perfect love. 
Perfect love is not selfish, so it's not self-centered. And there's something about all of our loves that's self-centered. You love your wife, there's still an element of self involved. What can she do for you? And most of the time, your argument's in your home. You don't have to raise your hand or stand up. But is it on the basis of divine love that y'all get into arguments? Is it on the basis that she's telling you you're being too good to her and too sweet and you're just so nice, I'm mad. I'm, I mean, you're making me mad. You're so good to me, woman. I just can't take it no more. Shut down being so good to me. Y'all ever had anybody to tell you that? But what is it? You're not treating me right. You're not doing this right. You're not selfish, you see. So he's the first one since Adam when he come to the earth to be able to express perfect love, divine love, which had no selfishness involved. So you take a preacher, very gifted, so he can really speak, really gifted. And what God will do with that man will be measured according to the intensity of the love that he has as his revelation grows. Now, if his revelation grows and advances faster than the intensity of his love for God, you watch what he'll become. Stuffed shirt, know it all. We know more than anybody else. Our church is the only church in the message. Oh my, I get so sick of hearing that trash. I get so sick of hearing all of that. You know, there's only two or three messages in the message churches that's really got the enlightenment of everything. You better wake up and realize God's prophets saw millions beyond the curtain of time. I personally don't know of any message churches that's got millions. Well, praise the Lord. But what is it? You see, a preacher with his gift, if he does not operate, and the more you learn how to preach, of course, and the more you learn how to surrender to God, the more you will realize the intensity of your gift matching the intensity of your love, and the more you get out of the way, the more he can do. It will be almost limitless what God will do for an individual like that. May, may I not limit it today just to a preacher? But if every lay person here, man, women, boys, girls, teenagers, whatever you are, if we would fall so in love with him that we loved him more than everything else in this world, it would be amazing what God would do in our church. And yet we have a direct, thus saith the Lord. I have never found in all of my searching of the message, of the decades that I've been in it, I have never found one thus saith the Lord you must shout, thus saith the Lord, or you will not be there. Or one, thus saith the Lord, you must speak in tongues. Or one, thus saith the Lord, you've got to have a march around Jericho. Now, if somehow I've overlooked that, please send me the quote, and I'll rescind this statement on Wednesday. Or I can save you the time and say, it ain't there. But we do have a thus saith the Lord. It will take perfect love to get you there. Do we believe that? Do we seek it? Do we want it more than money, more than position, more than rank, more than favor of people? Well, let's just face the facts. The truth of it is, most of us don't want it bad enough. 
Some of you spent years working on a degree at school. You applied yourself. You studied. Nothing wrong with that as long as you don't make an idol out of it. But I wonder if you would take that kind of urgency and desire for perfect love. Day and night, you're hungry and you're thirsting. God, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. I, I want it more, more fluent in my life. I want it to such a temperance that I find out someone in the church said something about me. Now, human love will do this. If I see one of the brothers outside flirting with my wife, human love, now I'm not a violent man, but I might feel kind of violent. If I see some man in this church going up and taking a hold of my wife's hand and saying, Sister Carol, you look so beautiful today, I'd like to take you out on a date. Well, unless he's a blind man, he ain't gonna be able to take her out because I'm gonna see he ain't got no eyes left. At least swole up for a few days. Well, you see, that's what the prophet said that a man would do with human love. Someone would say something to your wife and you'd wanna hit him. I'm just fulfilling the quote, you see. But he said, perfect love would look at that man and forgive the man. So then if someone places something about you on Facebook, whether directly or indirectly, and then someone tells you, have you found out what so-and-so said? They're talking about you. I know they are. They haven't mentioned the name, but they might as well. They have said you. So which love do we operate out of? Human love or perfect love? Amen. Ah, Y'all enjoying this so much, we might have service again this evening. Well, there's going to be 20 of you show up. The rest of you is going out for dinner and going home trying to recuperate, ain't you? Now, you see, when love is perfected in us, we have no fear of the judgment. No fear whatsoever. When love is perfected in us, we have no fear of death, no fear of dying. When love is perfected in us, we have no fear of what Satan can do to try to destroy us. But when it's not perfect, that's whenever you'll see a fear gripping people about death and about sickness. What's this in divine love? The prophet said, among other people everywhere is fear, but love, perfect love casteth out fear. The reason you're fearful is because the right temperance of love. Now notice he doesn't say love is not entered into you but the right temperance of love has never entered yet. So you do have love, but it's never grown and matured. When there's real love, all fear passes away when you really love the Lord. Now what's this in rejected king? I heard a voice then that spoke to me that was in the room and said, this is what you preached was the Holy Ghost. This is perfect love. And nothing can enter here without it. So the sixth dimension is the Holy Ghost personified in theophany bodies. 
I imagine he enters in and he's overwhelmed by what he sees and the way they're acting and the way that he feels because he he felt different than he'd ever felt before. And all he could feel from these people and the women came first and they were hugging him, my precious brother, my precious brother. And the brothers then came, my precious brother. Now they were women in form and they were women in shape and so on. But he said, here we have, the man has one gland, the woman has another. But he said there they were still in form and in shape of women, but yet that feeling could not be there toward them the way that it would be down here. So he was overwhelmed by it because these women were coming hugging him and there was no human sexual response. So that was different. The glow, the glitter in their eye. He mentioned that over and over again. There was something about their eyes. Our eyes now cannot be able to contain the illumination of light that they have in the sixth dimension. So their demeanor was different. Everything about the sphere that it entered into was so different. And that voice said, this is what you preach was the Holy Ghost. You imagine him thinking, the Holy Ghost, I mean, this, I didn't preach about the Holy Ghost being bluegrass and the Holy Ghost being perfect love and the women, but he had preached it, but it hadn't yet quite been quickened to him till he went there. So he said, this is what you preached was the Holy Ghost. Well, wait a minute. You know, now they were running and yet we have no record that none of them jumped, shouted, spoke in tongues or anything like that. And no doubt they may have already done it. They may have done been running and jumping. My, I don't know what all they do when they're there, but that was not what the emphasis was upon. It was not on any physical manifestation. It was what was emanating from their souls, which had now stepped into a theophany. Now remember threes is the perfect identification of who you are. As he is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, so are you, soul, spirit, and body. When you leave this life, you're still yet to be identified in the three. So the soul, which is the seed gene of God, leaves out of this mortal body, and it goes into what? A theophany body. In the sixth dimension, you're twos waiting for the third phase, which is the resurrected body and the resurrection. But there, even though they had entered into that something, he was identifying that this is what you preached was the Holy Ghost. Now he talked about a woman that he had went with, a girl that he had dated. What a great Christian woman she was. And Brother Darrell sent me this quote the other day. And he said that whenever he went beyond the curtain of time, he actually saw that woman there. So she come up to him and identified him and recognized him and said, oh, our precious brother. Now, once you notice this voice, which was an angelic voice, uh, a spiritual supernatural voice, this is perfect love and nothing can enter here without it. I am more determined than ever in my life that it takes perfect love to enter there. There was no jealousy. Now, we can love God and still have an element of that love mixed with jealousy. Let me tell you why. Because our love for God can still be affected. And if we see God blessing somebody a little more than us, if we're not careful, we'll fight jealousy. It's among preachers, friends, I'm telling you. You watch God raise up a man and God use him for this, that, and other. And if a preacher ain't got the right temperance of love, he'll fight it. Don't sit sit there and look at me funny. I've had preachers to come and tell me, I'm jealous of this man. I'm jealous of that man. I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of that man. That don't mean they're evil. That means they're human beings and they've never yet entered into the right temperance of love yet. 
But real love can look at God, raise up a man and use a man and maybe you'll maybe be this high spiritual and he'll be a giant in God. But the real love of God said, thank God for using my brother. Thank God for using my brother because it'll benefit the whole bride of Christ. Well, praise the Lord. It's the same way with singers. It's the same way with musicians. I think I might go in the office and preach the rest of this sermon. It's the same way with deacons and trustees and whoever more. Can we stand for God to use somebody and bless them a little more than he blesses us and not have an attitude? Oh, praise the Lord. Notice there was no jealousy, there was no tiredness, there was no death, sickness could never enter there. Mortality could never make you old and they could not cry. Think of that. They could not cry. There was just one joy. Oh, my precious brother, rejected king. Whatever you do, friends, lay aside everything else till you get perfect love. Get to a spot. Now he's going to help identify what perfect love will be. Get to a spot that you can love everybody. Every enemy. Everything else. That one that one visit there to me has made me a different man. I can never 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 be the same brother Branham that I was. So did Brother Random just get the Holy Ghost? No. But that had such an effect on him that it helped him move into a temperance of love that he never had before. I've had I don't know how many people to tell me and to share with me since Erica moved beyond the curtain of time that they had never had such a greater desire to go to heaven. That it done something to them and had such an effect on them. (laughs) I find that amazing. And here the prophet going beyond the curtain of time had preached for years, had spoken tongues, had had miracles in his ministry. And this is 1960. And he started on the field back there. The angel come to him in 33. So for decades, Harry had had all kinds of supernatural in his life, all kinds of phenomenal, oh my, wonderful, tremendous things happened. And yet been able to go beyond the curtain of time and experience that had such an impact on him. Watch him again in this adoption series. And he said, thus saith the Lord, It'll take perfect love to put you in that place. For that's all that was there. So there's no human love mixed with an element of jealousy. There was no divine love even mixed with an element of jealousy. So he's just overwhelmed. Now what you notice, he never saw streets of gold. He never saw mansions because that's a little bit higher. He never said nothing about great, you know, things like that. But it was an earth magnified in the sense of that dimension. Now this is all we know. We come from God as a thought, 
but I don't remember it and neither do you. So a holding place, the sixth dimension for those souls, and wouldn't you know it, he made it in such a way that it would be something that they would even feel comfortable being around. So it was bluegrass and rolling hills and no doubt some streams and this and that and the other. Because they're not a disembodied spirit. It's something that they would have felt at home with. Not streets of gold. Not palaces of, of, of gold and silver and you know the great foundations of the city with the apostle's name. He never mentioned nothing about seeing that. That's a little higher in the seventh dimension. But what was overwhelming was not the landscapes. It was not how beautiful the sky was. Carol's sister Sharon several years ago that overdosed her and some medication almost killed her. She left her body in the hospital room. She told her husband to tell Carol goodbye because they were so close. And she left her body coming toward this light as she moves into that sphere. The yellows, she started seeing flowers. The yellows and the blues and the oranges and the colors of what she saw. She had never seen anything like it on earth. And her ability to view it and the light was brighter and brighter. Remember Isaiah prophesies that when the kingdom is reverted back, the sun will be magnified seven times to what it is right now. The sun lost an element of its glory, as did the moon, as did the stars when man fell. So when the person moves into that realm, Sharon was able to go and be gone for a bit and then come back. She wrote it down, actually told Carol about what she saw. So it's a place that the Lord made for them to where they would be identified with something earthly, but yet heavenly. They couldn't identify with streets of gold. They couldn't identify with gates of pearl. So it's a place that they're held, but there's one thing that they will all have in common, and that is they all had the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost was able to bring them to a state of maturity. I received a letter from a brother in Belgium, and they had certainly been a part of our church being bearing the burden for Erica and praying for her and all. And he told me of several people in his life that he had seen them go. And he felt prematurely, one of them before he was even converted. And he questioned God, God, why? Why? Why would you allow that man to go? A young man and married and two small children, why? Someone else in his life died. No, same question kept coming back, why? Why? Happened for years. And then there was a, a particular person that had passed in his life and once again, God, why? I don't understand why. And the Lord spoke to him and said, they so come into my image, I wanted to bring them home with me. My friends, my sheep, my children that have begotten to Christ, 
I want to place before you today one of the few, very few offers of perfection that you'll ever be given. As your pastor, I want to present to you today the offer of God's own nature. To where we can come into such an intensity of divine love that this world will not be able to hold us any longer. And the temperance of love will grow and grow. You believe whatever you wish to believe. I personally believe that the elect of God reach that place before they ever go. There are no supplemental classes or supplemental rooms that if you're lacking perfect love, that when you leave here, you're held in a purgatory of sorts and then you grow into it, you know, the last few minutes before you go into the sixth dimension. You've actually arrived before you leave here. I wonder if that's what it is about certain people that when we get around them, we sense that's something that's beyond themselves. And it makes us want to be like them. I wonder if that's one by one as they're crossing over. I wonder, Brother Joel, if they're not attaining to that place. And they need no supplemental character makeup. They need no extra teaching on the other side. You know, there's a little, a little four-year there before the sixth dimension and you get the last few things that you need. When they leave here and they close their eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So whatever you do, lay aside everything else until you are just so filled with the love of God till you can love those who hate How many needs help this morning? Till you can love those. Not say you do, but actually love them. So lay aside everything. Notice in the Ephesian church age in 1960, Ephesus was not a deceived church. It failed itself by not continuing in perfect love. So you mean this has existed in human beings before? Remember, this was the Alpha Bride. So the Alpha Bride in the Ephesian church age, remember whenever it was written here that the church age, the prophet dated it from around 53 AD. So that's when it began. But yet we know the Holy Ghost fell in around 33, 33 and a half A.D. So what were they those 20 years prior to the beginning of the church age? What were they? It was bride age. For those of you that are looking for the bride age to be something different that's ever been, you need to reread your church age book. It's only a repeating of those years that existed before the church age has ever started. 
He was their everything. He was their head. He was their love. He was their alpha, their omega, their beginning, their end. They gave their life for him. They loved him more than they loved anything else. And then a coldness began to come in and then the church age starts. And then we see that God said, because you have left your first love. So what was it before that time? It was bride time. You know, people want to take the bride age in this end time and say that it's a number eight. Oh no, you're wrong. There's only seven. But it's at the very end of the seventh church age there will be a reoccurring again or the omega bride will be anointed with the same anointing that was on the alpha bride. What's it gonna be? More signs, more wonders? They had all of that. It's gonna be a love restored also back in our hearts that we're gonna love him more than we love life itself. We're gonna love him more than we love money, more than we love things, more than we love mama if necessary, more than we love daddy if necessary, because we will be anointed. The beginning will anoint the end, and the end will point back to the beginning, and the alpha will be again in the last day, in the omega. Remember, the prophet in the vision saw the bride appear twice. When he tells that in the masterpiece, he wasn't even sure about the interpretation, but the Lord God gave him the interpretation when he preached the masterpiece and said, it just come clear to me. He said, if you'll notice the bride, she come into view twice because she is alpha and omega. And if we're not careful, we will focus only on the supernatural part of love. I'll tell you one thing, friends. You cannot get any more of God than to get his own nature. Think of it, in heaven there'll be no healing. In heaven there'll be no miracles. So which will be the priority? Healing the lame, the blind, the halt, or love? Do you understand one day we'll never have any more prayer lines, brothers? We will never lay hands on people again, so laying hands on people is not eternal. Having a prayer line is not eternal. But perfect love is. Lord God. John says, herein is our love made perfect and that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Listen to these words. Because as he is, so are we in this present world. Right now, Bruce So as he is, not are we going to be in the sixth dimension. Now what's John captured by? Perfect love. Can I have a few more minutes? Notice this. I'd rather have a church. Listen just a moment. I'd rather have a church that knows nothing about any spiritual gift just be so in love with each other and with Christ. I'd rather have that than every spiritual gift operating in the church. I realize there's an element of brothers around the message that love to take this quote right here and try to say, well, bless God, I'll tell you one thing. The prophet said he'd rather have love than any of the gifts. Now, what they're trying to do is take this one quote and make it seem as if, though you don't need them but if they would have only read the latter part of the quote. Now that might be hard in a Pentecostal group, but I would rather have it. 
Where there is gifts, they'll fail. Where there is gifts, they'll bring confusion. Lord knows that's the truth. Where there is gifts, they can be questioned. But where there is love, it is perfect. Now let's not stop before we read these last few lines. And if you had perfect love, you'd have perfect gifts. Now you see, they did Brother Branham the same way that they did Paul. And Paul in Hebrews, of course, or 1 Corinthians rather, chapter 11, he goes to talking about the body, chapter 12, he goes to talking about the gifts. And then Paul tells them, now covet earnestly the best gifts and I'll show unto you a more excellent way. And of course, chapter 13, verse one, he begins with faith, hope, and love, charity, all that, you're familiar with it. And then brothers down through the centuries have done it. They tried to take chapter 13 and say as if though chapter 13 just nulls and voids all the things that Paul said about the gifts. Why would he even took the time to write it? Paul is not destroying the gifts, but he's saying I'm showing you a more excellent way and the excellent way is if you get perfect love and then let God use you in the gifts, these issues that I mentioned in chapter 12, will be taken care of because the more excellent way will be operated on divine love and it will breed out gifts with margins of error. Oh my. If you had perfect love, you'd have perfect gifts. So work first with love. That brings fellowship and fellowship brings I know some of y'all are absolutely scared to death of gifts. I don't know why. It's just as much God's word as any other word of God. Well, come on, why in the world would God ever put him in the Bible if he didn't want somebody to manifest him in a right way? But Brother Donnie, I've seen so much false, so have I. But that don't change God's word. I've seen a lot of false preachers too, but I sure don't stop believing in them. I've seen a lot of false sheep. I've seen a lot of you, sure you have. But that don't make me stop believing. I still believe it's God's word. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Now here's the excellent way. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Now watch, this is the excellent way which produces perfect gifts. So charity, a man with charity in his heart does not look at himself and feel somehow he's superior to other brothers. Praise the Lord. Doth not behave itself unseemly. I find this so odd and peculiar that Paul would say, seeketh not, and he uses the feminist gender, Seeketh not her own. I mean, I thought maybe it was talking about divine love. I thought we were talking about God. We are. You see, the real people of God are his attributes. No sin, so charity doesn't behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. 
Boy, amen, says I can teeth this morning, ain't it? Man. Seeketh not our own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. So if you hear so-and-so who had said something bad about you, how to car it, I knew God would get them back. It's amazing how that works to me. If you have a car wreck, the devil's trying to kill you. If somebody you don't like has one, the Lord's getting back at them. If you get the flu, the devil's trying to kill you. And then you got COVID on top of it. Oh, that old devil. And somebody else you don't like, get it. Glory to God, I pray God would deal with them. I think we need to be careful in how we delegate all this stuff. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. And if you notice, Paul doesn't say part of it, but it rejoices in the whole truth. Bareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. It is your right to have perfect love. Not a put on, not a show but to where every day hell is confounded by your action. That Satan does everything he can to bring all these things against you. Now remember, when you have perfect love, all of these things you'll be tried by. So I want to warn you in advance, this ain't for chickens and cowards. It's for the elect. So real love like this, it doesn't mean you're a pushover now. Jesus wasn't a pushover. But he was able to pray for his enemies and love them. Not pray for them because the word tells him he has to. But pray for them with feeling. Praise the Lord. You don't have to raise your hand on this if you don't want to. But how many of you can pray for your enemies with feeling? You have the same feeling for them that you do for your friends. Praise the Lord. Well, they treat me bad. They didn't speak to me over in a fellowship hall. I'll get them back. I won't speak to them. Your love ain't very intent. Your anger is. Now, if the prophet would have said, thus saith the Lord, it's going to take anger to walk down the streets of gold. Some of you would be shouting right now, wouldn't you? Glory to God, I've got her made. Hallelujah. <laughs> Friends, think of it. We are talking about the introduction into a world. The saints that have been going there now for some 2,000 years, because remember, they were never allowed to go there till after the cross. So the cross purged man and brought him to a place where paradise could be emptied out and shut down. Brought up into the, to the next door to the seventh dimension. 
And what he saw was a mere glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. Heaven is going to be a world that might be surprising or closer to this one than what you realize. The prophet said it will be a continuation of this same life. We will live, we will eat, we will drink, we will fellowship, we will socialize. Amen. I realize some folks, they're antisocial. <laughs> you know, they got about three or four friends and they don't want no more. Well, I'll tell you one thing, that ain't gonna be the attitude in heaven. Well, come on now, some of y'all didn't like that, did you? Well, everybody there is gonna love everybody else there. And there won't be no little cliques. You know, you won't walk down Heaven Avenue and Faith Boulevard and there'll be four or five little people just. Hi. Hi. You can, and you always know when they're talking about you just by the look they got on their face, you know. And you know you've done called them and their faces are all rosy red. And you know that you've done called them. There'll never be none of that there. Nobody will ever be sad. Can you imagine them when the saints of God leave this world and they go by seed life into the theophany of God and they're burst into that body, they get their first glimpse of the Holy Ghost and its perfection in a theophany. Because they was able to attain to it in a human body, but the human body so veiled its attributes from them I wonder if there's ever been a one of them with the Holy Ghost that crossed over these 2,000 years that said, glory to God, I've got perfect love. Hallelujah, I've got this and that and the other. I wonder in reality how many of them thought, oh, I hope everything's okay. Oh, God, I need more. God, I need more. Lord, I want more. Oh, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. Lord, I want more. Why could they say that? Because that Holy Ghost was still there. So all God does is take your gene and your portion of the Holy Ghost out of this coat. This is what the prophet preached this body was and things that are to be an old coat. So God takes your Holy Ghost out of the coat and your seed gene when the last breath is drawn. That and your theophany meet together. Your seed gene and your portion of the Holy Ghost. You imagine walking into yourself when you just step into yourself. You stepped out of a coach here and you step into a new one there. And all of a sudden, your Holy Ghost and your seed gene looks with eyes that it's never seen through before. With flesh that it's never seen before. And it looks at itself and realizes, I've arrived. Thank God, I've arrived. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. I'd like for each of us from the front to the back, up in the sound booths, 
wherever you are today, streaming at home, maybe you can't, couldn't be here today because of sickness or whatever, may the Lord just help each of us. But we can look at ourselves. I don't want you to compare yourself to the Laodiceans because even a cold message believer looks better than they do. But I want you to compare yourself to the mirror in the mirror of God's Word. So how do you treat those who have done you great damage and wrong? Is there anybody you would want to see lost? Is there any mortal that you would want to see them perish? Is there anyone who is your friend or has been your friend and you honestly wish they would just die and get out of your face? Then my friend, you need a greater temperance of love. And if you say you believe this message with all of your heart, then I want to challenge you today with all of your doings, with all of your seekings of this and that and the other. Seek this temperance of love in your heart. Because you can't put this on. I've sat by the bedside of many when they were fixing to cross over. When you come to face in death, you can't put it on. You can't act it because you're coming face to face with reality. Even for those that are lost. The prophet tells us about the woman that all those years she believes she's okay until death struck her. Then her conscience, her subconscious, all of that come back to the reality. And she said, I'm lost. And she looked to that pastor which had preached to her lies. And in her last dying moments, she said, you hypocrite. I'll never forget, I was told a dream by someone years ago. They dreamed about the regions of the lost. And they saw millions of people there screaming, hollering, crying. And they saw this individual going into the regions of the lost and taking a hold of men by their lapel or their shirt type thing, pulling them up, looking at them and then throwing them back down. Pull up another one, throw them back down, pull up another one. And in the dream, the person asked someone standing by them, what are they looking for? What are they looking for? The voice answered back and said, they're looking for that preacher that damned their soul to hell by false doctrine. Beyond the curtain of time, they were looking for the prophet of God, which had come to bring a message. I don't know how you feel today, but I love this message more than I ever have in my entire life. I ain't tired of it. I ain't sick of it. I know a lot of folks are. They're tired of it. They're tired of hearing it preached. Well, go right ahead. But for me, I love it more than I've ever loved it. It's answering more questions than ever before.
for me. I'm going to tell you one thing. If you go to hell, you can look all over hell, but you ain't going to find me there. Because I ain't going to be there, first of all, and I am not going to preach you damnable, Laodicean doctrine that will damn your soul to the regions of the lost. You may get mad at me sometime, but I'm going to tell you the truth. If that's the kind of man of God we want. But what I want to ask you now is this. How many of us, all of us, come and say, Lord, I need a greater temperance of love. I do. I see it, Jesus. I do, Lord. I have a hard time with certain people, Lord. I've just got to be honest. Just be honest with him, friends. He knows anyway. You can just be honest with him. He honors our honesty. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Fathers, we have our heads bowed. I have my hands raised up today, Jesus. I need a greater degree of your love, Lord. I believe I have the Holy Ghost. I believe I have your love in my soul. I want it in a greater intensity, Lord. It's sort of like a man and a woman and they meet and they start liking each other and the more they're with each other, the more they feel for each other and then them feelings change from like into the first stages of love and then they love each other and then they decide they want to get married and they love each other the first year, the second year, on and on and on. And they think, oh, I could never love her anymore. But here Carol and I have been married for 50 years. And I love her today more than I did that day we got married 50 years ago. It's a deeper intensity of love. I love you, Lord Jesus, more than I've ever loved you. But I want to love you so much that your love will reflect itself back out of me. It's amazing to me. Me and Carol will go into the store somewhere. And she'll be shopping, looking for a dress for the girls or maybe something for our, our daughter to, or for herself. It happened yesterday. She picked up a certain sweater. I was down the rack, maybe eight or ten feet from her. I picked up the exact same one. Because we're thinking alike. No doubt, Lord, your sons and your daughters, before they get ready to leave this world, they're getting closer and closer and closer to you. And you just say, you're so much like me. I want to take you home. But you know the sadness it leaves in our hearts. So I pray you'd help those of us that are left behind, Lord God. Father, I desire more than anything in this world. I don't want to be rich, famous, important. I want your love. Perfect, 
love. I've had people to lie on me. I've had people to run me down, all that sort of thing, God. But help me that I'll never have an attitude that I can always be like you and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I don't want to do that because it's a scripture to quote. I want to do it because the pulsation is so real from my soul. I can feel it as if it was you because in reality, it is you. It's you and us fulfilling your word. Thank you, Lord God. Can we stand our feet? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. You see, perfect love will anoint every heart. So say some are given the gift of faith. Some are given the gift of tongues. Some would be given whatever types of gifts that God would want to give them. It would never be about themselves. It would never be about people following them and them using the gift to try to get people to follow them. But it would be about them trying to help with no selfish motive whatsoever in mind. Wouldn't that be an awesome church? Wouldn't that be an awesome church to be a part of? I hope I live to see it. I've seen gifts with mistakes, preachers with great gifts to preach, but yet you get around them and it's me and mine and I and me and this and that. I get so sick of hearing that stuff. And you just think, Lord, help us that we can lay aside all that we are and let perfect love Okay, so we're talking about Christmas time. People buying gifts, wanting gifts. So, Brother Donnie, what do you want for Christmas? I just preached it to you. I want it for Christmas, New Year's, Easter, St. Patrick's Day, Election Day, whatever other day there is. Friends, do you understand? It makes no difference how many people I pray for, and God does miracles. Don't just get in your mind that I've had the supernatural in the last last eight or ten years. I've had the supernatural in my ministry ever since God called me to preach. I've always had it. I've seen phenomenal miracles. You wouldn't even believe them if I told you. That's wonderful. Do you understand? A.A. Allen had such miracles that was unbelievable miracles. Jack Coe had them. You, You need to wake up a little bit and realize Brother Brenham was the only one with miracles. The only one sent time, he said, here we are with the anointed word. And he said, another man over there, a Trinitarian, with the same miracles and signs, A.A. Allen. The lame would walk, the blind would see, the dumb would sing. They had all kinds of stuff. And a Trinitarian, we're not known by our signs alone, but love. They say John got so old, lived to be in his 90s. He couldn't preach no more, so they'd just pack him to church in a little stretcher type thing. And he'd just raise up his hands and say, love one another, little children. Love one another. Love one another, little children. 
No wonder they called him the disciple of love. Brother John Michael, wouldn't that be an awesome thing for you to be called? A disciple of love. What about a sis? Wouldn't that be awesome? What about a young man? Wouldn't that be awesome to be called a disciple of love? I'm talking about this ooey-gooey stuff where you compromise. I'm talking about you never compromise one word. But you love those that don't even believe what you tell them. Let's lay our hands on each other this morning if you would. You're not praying for yourself now. Friends, you understand this moment is between life and death. How many people have embraced the knowledge of this message and will miss the rapture? I always say I felt so sorry for those that the first service after the rapture takes place on the earth. And there will be people that will gather in message churches. And the sad part about it is some of the pastors will show up. Because even though they say they preach the message, their emphasis was selfish. Their emphasis was not on the full word, but they constantly got sidelined from one hang-up to another. Oh, children, children, if the rapture takes place tomorrow, Tuesday, I hope and pray to God there ain't a one of you shows up for church on Wednesday night. I hope every one of us are gone. Dear Jesus, I begin with me today. Search me. Help me. Is there anyone, Lord, that I would want to see lost? Is there anyone that I would want to not be allowed to go into heaven because I have some attitude toward them? Well, some people wouldn't even want certain people to come here to our church because they have too big of a problem with them. I don't know how in the world they're ever going to go to heaven together. I pray God should help us. You come to seek and to save that which was lost. Lord, and if we have anyone that we would want to see lost, let me show them how contrary that is to your nature. For your word says, it is not your will that any should perish. So if we want anyone, man, woman, boy, or girl, no matter how awful they've treated us, if we would want anyone to be lost, we are missing your will. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Lord God, I've laid my hands on people in the middle of a heart attack right here at the med center, and I've watched you stop it. I've laid my hands on people with cancer, laid my hands on people with cross eyes, and watch you straighten them out. I've seen so many signs, wonders, and miracles. I thank you for every one of them. But today I'm not asking you for a sign. I'm not asking you for someone's eyes to be opened. But I'm asking you, take me and take these people into a deeper place of love than we've ever been before. 
Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Baptize us so in the love of God. Oh, Lord Jesus. How can we say we're getting close to the change and can't even speak to one another? How can we say we're getting close to being rapture ready and have alt in our hearts one against the other? How can we? Help us, Lord. May the love of God, may a baptism of the love of God so fall in our church. Oh, we've got people screaming revival, people praying for revival. Some saying the revival's gonna be gifts. Some saying the revival's gonna be this revelation, that revelation. Lord God, may our revival be a revival of love of a love so deep for you and so deep for one another that if we get perfect love, we'll have perfect gifts. But if we seek the gift without the proper foundation, we will get a gift with a margin of error in it. And then when we're caught wrong, we'll make excuse and won't admit that we missed it. I hear of tongues and interpretation that are going on And I find it so astounding that preachers want to spend all the time studying about the gifts, using the message to prove that we need the gifts. But then they won't use the same message to show how the prophet taught they should be operated. Stand up and speak in tongues and prophesy saying, yeah, the Lord say I'm here and I'm coming. And the prophet said it should be something directly to an individual. Either we believe what he said or we don't. I choose to believe what he said. I don't believe you're going to stand and repeat scripture. What is it? Gifts or the margin of error. Out of the hearts of who? Sincere people that want a move of God. But we're seeking the gifts without perfect love. And if we can get that foundation, then the gifts that do come. There won't be no miss. There won't be no wrong here. Well, I guess I missed it. I guess I was wrong there. It'll produce perfection. Praise be to God. Oh, Jesus, baptize word of life, church, with such a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, it'll be awesome if we run. It'll be awesome if we shout. But Lord God, what will even be more awesome than all of that is that we will come out of our baptism staggering under the power of God and find a depth of the love of God that we have only read about. We will find ourselves living a life of deity. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. How many wants that with all your heart? Hey, sing something for us. Let's just worship together now. Oh, children, do you really want it? Would you rather have just signs and wonders and miracles? Do you understand there'll never be one person lost, never one person lost that has ever experienced perfect love. There'll be those that have jumped and shouted and healed the sick and raised the dead and cast out devils and all that that will be lost, but there'll never be one lost that's ever moved into this realm. When you get here, What did they tell the prophet when they said one to another when he got there? 
when one person looked at the other and said, think of it, he's arrived. He's arrived. Wouldn't it be awesome if that could be said about us after this service today? Some of you may not be that far away from perfect, mature love. Till you finally enter that last stage and you're there. Remember, there were some believers in the first church age that had it. They had it. John was rotten to some that had it. Perfect love. Thank God. Thank God. Let's worship a little bit. Got a little brother, Nehemiah, that wants to be baptized today. If he'll come and we'll prepare for that. Let's just spend a little time in the presence of the Lord. Let him take his great MRI and his CT, as it were, and look down in your soul. Let him give the report back of what he found. You need more of me and less of you. No, no, your love is not mature yet. You're still really selfish. You'll never tell nobody, not even the pastor, but you've got a problem if people clap more for somebody when they sing than they do for you. You're a preacher and you've got a problem because you don't have as many open doors. That's what this other man does. Brother Donnie, you mean preachers tell you that? Yes. I had one to come to me not long ago. And you know him well. I won't mention his name. But to tell me I have a problem with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Because they get to preach more than I do. They've got more doors than I do. More people call them than I do. You know what I realized? The problem wasn't the lack of doors was a lack of love. So if a preacher will build his ministry on perfect love, and he may preach to 50, and you do believe it however you want to, I admire men of God that have a small church. You realize there's men of God that will never in their entire ministry preach to a congregation of this size here this morning? Preach to 25 or 30, and they're as faithful to God as they can be. Oh, they ain't nothing. They are something, too. They're men of God, and they, many of them will never be invited to preach a convention, never stand before 5,000 people as I've been privileged to. That don't mean they're a nobody. That don't mean they're not important to God. Oh, everybody needs to move away from them little churches and move to mega churches. What are we talking about? That's the way the world thinks. God may have placed them there in that little church to be a light in their community. Everybody ain't supposed to move to Word of Life Church. Everybody ain't supposed to move to Brother Tim Pruitt's or Brother Ron Peterson's or Brother Ron Spencer's. They're supposed to be where God wants them to be. And if God wants them to be there in that little church, then let them stay in that little church. We're not gonna proselyte nobody. Amen. Let's just sing together. Hey, lead us. God bless you, saints. I love you. Remember, if I never live to preach you another sermon, with all of your seeking and all that you're hunting for, get perfect love. It's your guarantee 
I believe seven or eight weeks ago, whatever it's been now, tomorrow night, my little girl, and I saw her breathing getting so heavy. I believe she come to that spot. She didn't cry. She didn't scream. She didn't beg God for mercy. When she took her last breath, she was able to move beyond this realm, step into that place of perfect love. I've got more to go to heaven for than I had three months ago. I've got more after this sermon today to go to heaven for than I had yesterday. I've got more to strive for. Brother Donnie, what can we do for you? You all ask me this all the time. But Donnie, is there anything I could do? But Donnie, is there anything I could do? I'm going to tell you. Pray for me. Pray for me that I can have more of what I've preached to you today. Many of you have offered to buy me, me and Carol vacations and send us around the world and send us here and do this and that and the other. That is so nice. That is so thoughtful. But this is what I want more than anything in this world. This degree of love. Praise God. Don't you? Won't you? Bless God. Brother Bob. Sisters. Brothers. Lance. That's what got our Erica there. I sit there after the life left her body. I had a little tiny hand in my hand. Her little fingernails started turning purple. And I said, oh God, God, this can't be. The longer I sat there, Brother Joel, and me from her finger, it was I'm your finger. <laughs> but it was just the coat. Daniel Nunley away. Brother Gene Sister Clark. On and on we could go. If I go by the way of the grave, I want it to carry me away. And if I'm alive, I want it to change my body. I want this love to be so powerful in my soul that it will reverse my age. It will reverse the color of my hair. 
Praise God. Fill us, Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Singer. Search my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like. our little brother. Father, I've been dealing with him to be baptized. Lord, this is the way we want to bring our children up where their hearts can be sensitive towards you when they're young. Your prophet told us that he would have given his heart to you whenever he was a young boy. But there was a spirit on him that kept him from doing it. So dear God, it makes us so grateful that our young children can be raised up in an atmosphere where you can deal with them. As I baptize my little brother today, I pray, Lord, that you'd be able to take his little life, mold him into what you'd have him to be, Lord. I know people would say, well, they're too young. But there's kids this young that are killing one another. There's kids this young that's doing all kinds of evil. So if they can do the evil at this age, I believe they can be yours at this age. Be with them, fathers, family. See, they moved here, Lord, to be a part of our church family. May you bless them and keep them, Lord, by your grace, we pray. 
Jesus' name. Spin around this way just a little bit. There you go. You can grab a hold of my arm whenever I bend towards you so you can pull yourself up. Okay. Nehemiah, Nehemiah, I baptize you today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sing this chorus for just a moment this morning. Oh, flow through me, Holy Spirit, flow through me. Flow through me 
you appreciate the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Let's sing that little course, maybe key of G, go tell it on the mountain. Let's sing that this morning so we, since we did some Christmas songs as you dismissed this morning. Oh, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Christ.